Well, welcome church. Good to see everyone in the house and welcome online. So glad you are tuning in. I have a feeling God's going to move in a really special way. Um, I, I, as I watch that, that video and I hear, uh, I hear Rachel's testimony about the word that God gave her, that it's going to be better than she could imagine. Well, she didn't know she was going to be pregnant at that time when, she, when, she, when, when that word came. And she's pregnant with triplets. She has three babies inside of her. We're very excited for her. So it might be four. So, but we're, no, she's not. <laughs> she's probably yelling it back there somewhere. But uh, that's how we, sometimes we get anxious about stuff. We get worried about stuff. And God says, don't worry about it. It's going to be better than you can imagine. Don't worry about it. Well, that's what we're talking about today. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. You are so good, and uh, we worship you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into this crazy world, and I want to thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for uh, providing for us. Uh, Thank you for being with us. Lord, I want to pray for those who've been impacted by 9-11, this terrible event that happened 20 years ago. I know a lot of these kids are now adults, and uh, people have been impacted and, and uh, still remember that day. And I just pray that you minister to the, to the family, to the friends of those who've been impacted. Watch over them, God. I also pray, Lord, that you just take a hold of this service, and you have your way. Move here, God, in a really special way, and um, do whatever you want here, Lord. By your grace, work in and through me. I want to praise you, Lord, because of the way you moved through my friend, Pastor David Etter, and he's off of his ventilator and doing well. So thank you, Jesus, for, for hearing our prayers. We love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I heard the Holy Spirit come in while I was saying that prayer. Um, it was a doorbell or something, I think, maybe. It was the Holy Spirit coming on. Come on in, Holy Spirit. We, we need you. We need you big times. You remember 20 years ago, uh, 9-11, where were you at? Do you, you remember that day? Um, that was a day that really impacted you, uh, you know, America, our country, quite a bit, didn't it? I, I, was in, I was in Colorado Springs, and I was a pastor there. And uh, I remember we were huddled around a TV. And uh, we were watching this thing, and... and, and uh, I remember shortly after that, there was a desire for people to be with their families. They wanted to go home. They wanted to, you know, whatever it might be. And um, also, I remember we did a service that night in Colorado Springs at that church, and we opened it up to the community, and many people from the community showed up just to pray. I think there was a level of anxiety. There was a level of anxiety in flying again. I think that was a real thing. People were concerned about that. Uh, there was a anxiety over going to a busy, you know, big city, whatever it might be. But um, fortunately, we don't worry about anything anymore, do we? We have no anxiety about anything anymore. And life is just so good. I'm being facetious, right? Anxiety. Uh, you know, we're in this series, and the title of the series is That Used to Be Me. And uh, I, I don't know what, what part you want to forget about yourself, but the hope and prayer is you look back at this and say, you know what? I used to be anxious. I used to worry a lot. That used to be me. Anxiety is defined like this. A feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Can you feel it? 
some of you. Anybody worried about anything? You can raise your hand if you want. If you don't want to raise your hand because you're worried what people might think, that's okay. Um, does anybody have any anxiety about anything? Anxious about anything? Something's not happening as quickly as you think it should be happening and you're worried about it and maybe you see the account getting lower or you're not sure what the solution is going to be and there's this feeling of worriness, nervousness, or an unease kind of thing. It might happen to you and I think that's a big part of um, anxiety is the scenario that there might be something imminent coming up, something uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be bad. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to really affect my life. I don't know what's going to happen. There's that kind of anxiety that happens. Um, I ran across a couple of statistics from a Kaiser Family Foundation. Uh, you may be aware of this, maybe not, but four in 10, four in 10 Americans reported symptoms of anxiety during the pandemic. That surprise anyone? Four in 10 during the pandemic, symptoms of anxiety. Does this shock you? Look, before the pandemic, between January and June 2019, one in 10, one in 10 talked about anxiety. So during, since the pandemic, it's, it's gone up, right? It's gone up. Life goes on during the pandemic, incidentally, doesn't it? Bills still need to get paid, right? I, my car still needs to run. And if you had marriage problems before the pandemic, you might have marriage problems now. You know, problems in life or health problems or whatever it is. Um, there's things that just continue to happen. So the Bible has a lot to say about anxiety. In fact, when you look at the Bible, you come across 1 Samuel chapter 1, and you discover this woman named Hannah. She has a lot of anxiety because she can't have a baby. And there's this, there's this other woman in the picture, her name is Penina, and she keeps uh, taunting Hannah. So Hannah has anxiety because she wants, she wants a baby. Another place in Esther chapter four, you read about the Jewish people, and the Jewish people are anxious because of a royal decree that allowed uh, them to be massacred. So they were really concerned literally for their life. And then there was this other woman in the picture named Esther. And Esther has anxiety because she feels like she has to go to the king and approach him on behalf of the people, but she has a lot of anxiety because she's thinking, I can lose my life. And then, of course, King David, the man after God's own heart. You see anxiety all over Psalms and, and uh, everything he wrote about. Psalm 94 verse 19 says, when anxiety has, was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Isn't that good to hear that the king known as the man after God's own heart says when anxiety was great within me. Another place he said, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. When I'm afraid. In Luke chapter 10, there's a famous story involving two sisters. And uh, th this is a, a common problem I think all of us can identify with. There are two ladies' names are Mary and Martha. You might be familiar with the story. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was, was uh, what's that word right there, church? Was what? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, 
Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Actually, it's probably more like, tell her to help me. And I love the response of Jesus. You know, if, if Jesus, you know, in scripture, you see, if someone is called by their first name twice, that's listen up. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has, has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So a lot, we can all identify with this. I mean, some of us have Martha tendencies, and you're, you're doing dishes and you're upset because someone's sitting on the couch, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, or you're working and, and, and whatever it might be. Um, we need Martha's. There's a time to be a Martha. I get it. And, uh, but in this situation, Jesus was saying, look, Mary has chosen the better. The son of God is in their house. And Mary is sitting at the feet of of Jesus. She's acting like a student. The same thing last week we talked about Paul the Apostle, and he sat at the feet of a guy named Gamaliel. Gamaliel. And here you find Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, and Jesus tells Martha, 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 you're worried about many things. See, God knows what you're worried about, God can read your mind. He knows what you're anxious about. He knows what's going on. You need to hear this. Worry, fear, and anxiety are roommates. They all love each other. Worry, fear, and anxiety. All those things go together. Um, someone once said, um, worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. I feel like this is going to be me when I get really old. I don't know. It's like sitting in a rocking chair because you're, you're rocking and you're moving, but you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And I'm going to worry, but nothing is happening. Does nothing good. It's a waste of time. Worry, there's no upside in worry at all. It just affects you physically and emotionally. It robs you from the moment and it takes away the life that God has given you. So you could worry, and, 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 but you're not doing, it, it's a total waste of time. And, and you're, you're in this position, so to speak. And God doesn't want you to live in that position. God doesn't want you to live in that state. Proverbs says anxiety weighs down the heart. Weighs down the heart. There's a famous story. The Bible talks so much about anxiety and worry, but I got to go to the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about worry and anxiety. Verse 25, he says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Say, do not worry with me out loud. Turn to the person next to him, just tell them, do not worry. Can you say it? All right, we're done. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be great if it was that easy? Have you noticed how many people worry, but they don't view themselves as worry warts? You know what I'm talking about? People say, yeah, I don't worry. And they can quote you verses even. You know, Christians can worry. You know that, right? 
But you see their life and their actions and everything about their life and actions says they are worried. Jesus says, do not worry. Literally that phrase there, do not worry, it means, oh, don't go there yet. Let's, let's stay on verse 25. Uh, literally it means this, take no thought. I want you to hold on to that. Say, take no thought with me out loud. Take no thought. That's the original language with do not worry. And I want you to pay attention to that because the word thought is in there. And what we think, what we think will impact whether or not we worry or not. Take no thought. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothes. And here I wanted you to see this. The battleground of anxiety is in your mind. The thoughts that you entertain. <clears throat> That's what it is. Just going back to this. It's, like, it's, it's the things that, that, that run through your head, whether people are around you or not, or you're by yourself. The things that you contemplate, things that you meditate about, the scenarios that run through your head, your imaginations, whatever it might be, the things that are running through you and people don't know you're on a trip right now. You're on a trip and they don't know you're on that trip, but there's things that you're concerned about, your job and money and health and kids and the future, all these kinds of things. And, and here Jesus is saying, take no thought. The word worry here, one definition is this, to torment oneself with disturbing thoughts. It's literally to torment yourself. See, these are disturbing thoughts that can dominate your thinking. Thoughts of what might happen. Thoughts about your future. Thoughts about your, your life. You have to understand this whole thing. Um, this, 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 uh, this idea of worrying and anxiety, it's all connected to your relationship with God. It's all connected to your relationship with God. When I go uh, visit my, my son in Nashville, and I go hang out with him, you, you know, he never has to worry about whether I'll pay the meal, pay for the meal. Parents, when your kids are around you, has your kid ever said, you know what, I don't know if, we, if, if we're going to have breakfast tomorrow or lunch or dinner, and they just know miraculously food appears. Why is it like that? It's because of your relationship with your child. You love them. You'll go without so they could have. That's the heart of a parent. And, and you have to understand that our desire or capacity to be anxious or worried is all hinged to our relationship with God. When you know God and you're walking with God and you experience him in your life and you have a very living, organic relationship with Jesus and you talk to him in the morning and then in the afternoon and you're praying with him and praying to him and you just have this life-changing relationship with God, there's nothing to worry about because God loves you. Don't you think God is going to watch over you all the time? I mean, if he's alone, it's his character that's on the line. And you are, you are his child. 
Your soul belongs to him. So he'll watch over you. Everything's about this relationship with God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this this way here. God loves you. That's a life-changing truth. God loves you. And if you can wrap your arms around this thought that God loves you, everything else will go away. You won't spend any more time in this chair right here because you just know, I don't understand what's happening and I don't know the future, but I know who has my future and I'm okay. In sickness and in health, I'm fine. Whatever happens is going to happen. Whatever, I just know God is going to take care of me regardless of what happens. I just, I, God loves, I have this relationship with God and I don't fear anything. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. So when you have that relationship with God, that intimacy with God, it's just a game changer. Jesus goes on to say in verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And throughout this passage, Jesus is trying to help the reader, the audience, understand God loves you. God loves you. God is crazy about you. He loves you and he sees you and he sees the things that are going on in your life. Okay, you don't get it? Just look at the bird. Just look at the bird. Can you look at the bird for a little bit? Just look at them. They neither sow or reap or stow away in the barns, but they have food. I've never, you know, seen like a papa bird have a conversation with a mama bird. You know, maybe you have, but like, like a papa bird saying, hey, honey, I don't, I don't, I'm really worried I can't sleep tonight because we've got three eggs in this nest. And I don't know if we're going to have any worms tomorrow. So I'm really worried, right? You don't see that anywhere. You see, God just provides. He just takes care of his children. Verse 27, Jesus goes on to say, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Translation, it's a waste of time. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown into the fire, will he not much more, say much more with me, much more clothe you, you of little faith. Wow, did you see that jump Jesus just said? We're talking about worry and Jesus brings up faith. See, if you have faith in God and you fully trust he has everything, even when it doesn't make sense, even when things don't go right, you have a peace because you are putting your faith in the character of God. Verse 31, he says, so do not worry. There it is again. Do not worry, which means take no thought. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry. Take no thought about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day 
has enough trouble of its own. I want, I, want to, I want you to hear this. If the Bible says, do not worry, if God's word says, do not worry, then I want you to know it's possible to live a life without worry. If the word of God says, do not be anxious about anything, then I want you to know that it is possible to live a life without anxiety. Why else would the Bible, why else would God say, do not? It's, there's, this, there's this choice. I like the way Craig Rochelle said it. He said, worry in essence is the, is the sin of disturbing, dis, excuse me, the worry in essence is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. So when, you, when, you're, when you're here and, and you find yourself at this place and you allow yourself certain things to dominate your thought life and you start worrying about things that really you don't have any business worrying about because God loves you and he cares about you and he knows your needs. And when you do that, when you do that, you are questioning the promises and the power of God. That's why for, for many uh, people who don't know Christ, the unsaved, people who maybe don't go to church, and when they look at Christians and they see Christians worrying, they're thinking, well, what kind of God do you have? Because your thought life is no different from my thought life. You're worrying and I'm worrying and why, what's the benefit of walking in with Christ. What is that thing about? Uh, in the New Living Translation, verse 32, it says it like this. These things dominate the thoughts of, of unbelievers. So Jesus is making it really clear. Unbelievers, people who are not walking with God, the atheist, the agnostic, the person who's not a follower of Christ, that is their way of life, they worry. But the believer, the Christian, the one who is walking with Christ, they shouldn't worry at all because God is with them and God's taking care of them. So they shouldn't act like unbelievers because they're they're believers, and it's, this is a powerful thing. Um, and Jesus is also talking about these dominating the thoughts, this kind of thing. What thoughts dominate your mind? You have the power to choose what you're going to think about. You have the power to choose what's going to dominate your mind. You don't have to contemplate everything that enters your mind. You don't have to mull it over. Just this week, um, my wife and I, we went on a, just this week, last night, we went out on a date, and she gave me permission to share this story. Uh, we, we ate some sushi. I love sushi, and we, we ate at a sushi restaurant and just had a good time together. But she was sharing with me um, something personal about anxiety. So a few days ago, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe a few days, whatever it was, she had some anxiety. She, she felt like, like something's bubbling up inside of her. And, and she was in this place. And it happened after, uh, well, she, she had this anxiety. And it was even affecting her sleep. It was affecting her sleep. You ever had so much anxiety that it affects your sleep? 
So she had this anxiety and, and uh, um, she, she asked God, God, what's triggering this anxiety? Why do I feel this way? Which is a great thing to do. Why am I, why am I feeling, why is my you know, chest getting tight and why am I having a hard time? What is going on? Where is this coming from? And you know what the Lord showed her? He showed her that it came from a conversation she was having with another woman. And that conversation with that other woman, that woman brought up COVID, the coronavirus. And that woman had no idea what was going on in Grace's head, but she brings up this coronavirus thing and the possibility of getting COVID. And what this woman didn't know was we're coming up to our one-year anniversary when I got COVID and I spent 10 days in ICU. So for Grace, she's thinking, you know, she, she, she doesn't want to get sick, but she's more concerned about me. I'll just tell you that. She doesn't want me to get sick. She just doesn't want me to die. She doesn't want me to die. It probably doesn't help when I tell her, baby, I'd rather be with Jesus than be in this world. She doesn't appreciate it when I say that, but that's true. But but the thing is, she realized that it came from a conversation she had with this woman, and it was a casual word that this woman said, and that one thought just kind of crept into her, and then, but she made a choice. And she said, I'm going to give that to God. So Grace did. I'm going to give that to God. I'm not going to let that thought hold me captive. I'm going to give it to God. I like the way T.D. Jake said it. He said, instead of going to war with anxiety or running from it, sit with it when it comes. Calmly consider what might have triggered it. Why, why, why is this feeling here? Why, why do I have this anxious thought? Why am I worried? And if you follow that just a little bit, you'll land at this place where you'll say, you know what? God is with me. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to do that. And the essence of walking with God is The incredible benefit in this world is you get to experience God here and now. You get to experience his presence here and now. You can talk to him while you ride your bike and talk to him while you're on your walk or talk to him in the car, wherever you're at. I mean, that's an incredible, I mean, the, the very presence of God. So where the presence of God is at, there should be an absence of anxiety, an absence of worry. Because it's all about your God. It's not about you. It's not about what you can control. It's not about what you know. It's not about your power. It's not about your strength. It's not about your intellect. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. There was a church in Philippi in the New Testament that was known for worrying they were known for anxiety. Could you imagine a church being known for anxiety? Christians, new Christians. And Paul the apostle visited them, and in Philippians chapter 4, he penned these words. He said, do not be anxious about anything. Read that with me out loud. Do not be anxious. If you're watching online, type in anything in the in the chat field there do not be anxious about anything so the words 
Do not be anxious. I'm, we're going to geek out just a little bit in the original Greek here, guys. The words do not be anxious. The force of the words, the force of it behind it means this, forbidding the continuance of an action already going on. Forbidding the continuance of an action already going on. So I didn't realize it, but I'm worrying about this. Sometimes you worry about stuff and you don't realize you're worried about it until it sits in your head for a little bit. It's kind of like grace. Like, what's going on? Why do I feel this? What's going on? And then the thought came to her, you know, I need to ask God what's triggering this. Well, once you realize it, you're like, hey, I'm going to get off of this thing. I'm not going to be on that anymore. I am not going to continue to allow myself to sit there. I'm not going to let that thought dominate my mind. I'm not going to let that happen. It's the same force of the word that we read about in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said, do not worry about your life. It's the same Greek word, same force. And here... In the original language, he said, do not be anxious about anything. You know what anything means in the original Greek language? It means anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about sickness. Do not be anxious about the unknown. Do not be anxious about money or Do not be anxious about that relationship. Do not be anxious about your job. Do not be anxious about your children. Do not be anxious about decisions that you see that they make. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, we have a part. We have a part. We need to do whatever we need to do. I get that. It's good to be smart and all that stuff. But at some point in our part, we just say, you know what, God, I'm just going to trust you with the results. I'm not going to live with a spirit of anxiety. I'm not going to live that way because you're my God. You're my God. Do not be anxious about anything. Literally, it means this. Stop perpetually worrying about even one thing. See, some of you, there's something that is sitting in your head, and it's been sitting there for a while now. I mean, it's really comfortable. I mean, the shoes are off and it's lying down on the couch in their underwear and it's sitting in your head. You have not thought it's been a bad thing, but it's been a destructive thing. And that thing that you're worried about that you become so comfortable with, it's so sly. And it's smelling up your living room and it's taking over you. It's affecting your real life. It's affecting your actions and behaviors today. Don't be confused. Verse 6, here it is. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me say it this way. Your ability to not let anxious thoughts dominate your mind is completely connected to your relationship with God through prayer. If you have a strong faith in prayer, you will not worry much. The stronger your faith in prayer, the less you'll worry. 
Because you'll trust God that he's going to take care of everything. The stronger your relationship with God, the less likely you're going to be anxious. Max Lucado said it like this, no one can pray and worry at the same time. No one can pray and worry at the same time. So when you're, when you're here and you feel that tendency and you're like, okay, this is coming on. I'm just going to pray about this because I can't do anything. I'm not that smart anyway. I'm not that strong and I'm not God. So I'm just going to give it to God. I'm going to trust God. First Peter says it beautifully. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Now he's leading up to casting all of our anxieties on him. But verse six says, Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. When you look at the word anxiety, there's a letter that's in the middle of that anxiety, isn't there? What's the letter? I. Pride. Pride will keep you. It will hold you captive in so many ways. It will prevent you from giving it to God because pride says, I could handle this on my own. Pride says, I can get out of this problem on my own. Pride says, I don't need any help. That's pride. Pride says, I don't want anyone to see who I really am. Pride says, I'm better than others. I'm smarter than others. And it even affects your Anxiety. And Peter says, humble yourselves under the God's body hand that he may lift you up in due time. Let me just say, some of you want to do great things for God, and that's wonderful, but it starts with you humbling yourself. Sometimes we worship ourselves. Sometimes we do that. We worship our efforts. We worship ourselves. And verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That word cast, um, I'm going to bring this out here. That word cast, this word throw does not mean like, um, like what we normally think about throwing. Um, the, the original language here, the word throw here is a definite act of the will and committing, committing it to God committing it to God like I'm not going to pick it up again I'm not going to pick it up again and when we worry about something and it's on our mind and, and we just kind of mull it over it's kind of with us as long as you know kind of thing and every time we, but right here in this passage right here Peter is saying here's what you do you give it to God completely and you don't pick it up it's a definite act of the will it's I'm done worrying about that I'm not going to let that mull over in my mind I'm not going to be afraid of death I'm not going to be afraid of the unknown I'm not going to be afraid I'm not going to worry anymore I'm not going to be anxious about I I don't know what's going on with him but I'm going to give him to God I don't know what's going on to her I'm going to give her to God I don't understand what's going on with my boss or work I'm just going to trust God I don't understand everything but I know my God is with me and that's enough it's this idea of I'm going to cast I'm going to cast my anxiety on him and you know why because he cares for you 
Your welfare is his interest because he cares for you. It's so simple. God loves you. God loves you. Elizabeth Elliot, incredible missionary, said worry is the antithesis of trust. You simply cannot do both. They are mutually exclusive. And when you commit and cast your anxiety on him, you're saying, God, I'm putting my trust in you. I'm putting my trust in you. My trust is in you. And when you keep reading this, the very next verse tells us a little bit more about why it's so important to cast your anxiety on him. Because verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Wow. When did the devil come into play here? Here's, here's why. Because when you're in this place right here, you know you could become spiritually vulnerable. You could think destructive thoughts. You could sin because of what's mulling over in your head. You could make hasty decisions. You could worry about things around the corner that aren't around the corner. You could read between the lines when there's nothing to read. And the devil can take advantage of you here. And Peter's reminding us, the devil, he's real. And it says, be of sober mind. The word sober mind here is such a strong, strong word. It literally means to, to, to be collected in your spirit. And, and, and I think it's so appropriate because when we're in this place right here, our spirit, when we're, we're just not feeling real strong, <laughs> we're feeling anxious and, 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 and worried and fearful. We're just not feeling strong at all. And it's in this moment when, you, when, you're, when you're anxious and those kinds of things, the, the devil can speak lies to you. And you, you're so turned upside down. It's hard to recognize that it's a lie. You know what I'm talking about? This is so good, guys. This is really good preaching. I'm just telling you right now. This is so good right here. Because you, we can, I'm saving you thousands of dollars on counseling right now, guys. Man, let me tell you, this is one of the reasons why we're doing this. I want you to pull out your phone. On Thursday, September 21, we're going to have a men's night. Because our men need to grow in Christ and learn what it means to become a spiritual man of God. And it's going to be men only, sorry ladies, but we need a place where we can worship God and talk about stuff that men wrestle with. So put it on your calendars. At seven o'clock, it's gonna be a great time of encouraging word and, and message and, and, and just connecting with other guys. Here's the benefit of this whole thing. Paul says this to the Church of Philippi. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. And what? And your, and your minds. There it is again. Take no thought in Christ Jesus. Cast all your anxiety in him because he cares about you. And the peace of God and this is so cool, will guard your hearts and your mind. So that phrase, 
will guard. It's a military term. You know what it means? It means shall mount guard. It's that soldier, that Navy SEAL, that's standing at the entrance, fully armed, that's saying, nothing's going to get by me. And the peace of God, peace of God which transcends all understanding, shall mount guard, <laughs> shall mount guard, and guard your heart and your mind. You know what that means? I'll have peace. Whatever happens, I'll have peace. I know God's going to use everything for his glory. I think this should happen this way, but it's happening the other way. But I have peace. I prayed for this to happen, but it didn't happen like I thought it would. But I have peace. I'm going to trust God even though he didn't answer that prayer. I'm going to trust God even though nothing has happened. I'm going to trust God even though the economy is falling apart. I'm going to trust God regardless of what's happening around me because my God is with me and he's taking care of me and I have nothing to be anxious about. He loves me. So I have peace. Even though in my little mind, I think it should happen like this. In my little mind, I think this should have happened. In my little mind, I have this perspective. But you know what? God has a greater perspective than me. And I have peace. In sickness and health, I have peace. With much or little, I have peace. You with me? The peace of God which transcends, another version says, surpasses. All understanding will guard, shall mount, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You give it to the Lord and you leave it and you trust him. And you don't go back and pick that thing up. You say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. <clears throat> God, thank you for your grace Thank you for your mercy. You're so good. And I pray, Lord, that you just move hearts right now. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. Some of you came to church or maybe you're watching online and there's something that you need to give to God. Maybe you've living, been living with some worry or anxiety. And I just want to invite you. Would you just tell God right now, say, God, I want to give this to you. Just make that your prayer. God, I want to give this to you. I don't want to carry it anymore. I don't want to sit in that rocking chair anymore. <laughs> I don't want to mull it over anymore. I'm not going to worry anymore. I give it to you, God, right now. And God, give me wisdom to know when I have a thought that I shouldn't have. Help me to understand why I'm having that thought, what's triggering that thought, and help me to grow in your grace. Give me a disciplined mind that I haven't had before. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me with this. One of the fruits, Holy Spirit, is the spirit of self-control, and I pray for that. I pray for that fruit of self-control. Somebody needs self-control in their thought life. So God, move, I pray. God, continue to have your way here, Lord. If you're ready to receive Jesus, would you say this? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins, and I turn to you. 
And maybe if you've been anxious in your thoughts, maybe you need to say this, God, forgive me for this sin. I fully trust in your word and I fully trust in your promises and I fully trust in your character, God, that you are a good God and you are with me and I know you love me and you've never left me and I'm gonna continue to put my faith in you. And I'm gonna trust you with all the circumstances around me. I don't need to understand everything. I'm just gonna trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, I wanna ask you guys something here. Last weekend, um, I made this challenge and I preached about Saul on the road to Damascus and there was a guy named Ananias that God sent to go and uh, grab a hold of Saul and, and help him to see Jesus. So here was the challenge and I hope and pray you take this challenge, guys. This is so big. Would you be an Ananias to someone? Would you find someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus? And would you make it your personal mission to bring them to Jesus and do this over the next school year, this school year, do this over the next nine months and invite them to church and help them to grow in Christ. Christian, I'm talking to you, Christian. If you call yourself a Christian, be an Ananias to someone. Well, God is good.